Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to episode 239 of the Motorcycle Man podcast. And I've got another great interview for you. You're going to really like this one. This is great. The Motorcycle Man podcast naturally is brought to you by Scorpion Helmets. Scorpion EXO has been dedicated to offering high-quality, innovative motorcycle helmets and technical apparel at an incredible value to ensure that each and every Scorpion EXO helmet and garment will surpass user expectations. So to learn more, you go over to scorpionusa.com. And, of course, Schenkel Tires. So whether if you're riding a sport bike, a scooter, perhaps an off-road, some dual sport bike or a cruiser, Harley-Davidson, Indian, doesn't matter. Schenkel has a tire to suit your needs and, of course, your riding style without breaking that bank account. So if it's time for tires for your bike, think of Schenkel. That's right. Go to Schenkel Tire USA and you tell them that the Motorcycle Men sent you. That's ShinkoTireUSA.com. And why ride your motorcycle in pain when you can ride in absolute comfort with the help of a wild-ass seat cushion? Your back will thank you, and you'll enjoy a mile after a mile of cruising comfort no matter what type of motorcycle you ride. The cushion eliminates painful pressure points and promotes blood circulation by utilizing adjustable interconnected air cells which conform to the rider's shape regardless of weight or seating position. I use one of these seat cushions. I always thought for the life of the I've owned my motorcycle that it was the most comfortable seat in the world. Well, that changed the day I got a wild-ass seat cushion. It is unbelievably comfortable. Now I know I can ride for hours. So go to wildassseats.com. That's wildass.com and order today. Make sure you tell them that the Motorcycle Men sent you. The Motorcycle Men is supporting David's Dream and Believe Cancer Foundation. If you would like to help out and be a part of something that actually makes a difference, donate today to David's Dream and Believe Cancer Foundation. Go to davidsdreamandbelieve.org to donate. Links will be in the show notes and, of course, also on the website. And the Gold Star Ride Foundation is helping families of fallen soldiers and making a difference in the lives of those left behind. So if you'd like to be a part of a great cause and get some really wonderful miles in, go to goldstarride.org and learn how you can participate in the next Gold Star Ride. Now time for a word from our sponsors over at Tobacco Motorwear. Tobacco is known for making the best-looking riding jeans in the world. That's because they start with premium fabrics, like selvage denim and canvas, and then add protective elements like comfortable anti-abrasion linings or armor. While other brands look like a pair of saggy dad jeans, tobaccos, they're so stylish that you're going to want to wear them every time you're on your bike. And even when you're not riding, with multiple fits and styles of protective jeans for men and women, you're guaranteed to find something that matches your style. Tobacco Motorwear also makes jackets, vests, riding shirts, and you've heard me say it before, I love my California riding shirt and, of course, my tobacco riding jeans as well, and I wear them every ride. I just won't ride without them. Not only that, nearly every time I wear them, somebody asks me about them. Also, you also want to try out the new Roper gloves, the breathable soft leather, and let me tell you, first-hand experience, the most comfortable riding gloves you will ever wear. And if you wanted to, you could also get for added protection. You get, check out their Wasteland vest. It's got plenty of pockets, it's got armor, 
And it's a great addition to wear with the California riding shirt or underneath your leather jacket for those slightly chilly days. I highly recommend both the wasteland vest and, of course, the roper gloves. Fantastic. Tobacco believes the safest gear is the gear you will wear. That's why they make products that look good and protect you while you're riding. Not only that, tobaccos are made to last, and they're also made right here in the USA. So no need to sacrifice style for safety. Go to check out TobaccoMotorWear.com. That's TobaccoMotorWear.com. And our listeners, our Motorcycle Men listeners, yes, will get 10% off their order when you use the coupon code MOTOMEN. All right, now. It is no secret that we here at the Motorcycle Man Podcast are Harley guys. Yes, as annoying as it may be to many, it is our way, and we like to say to each his own. And we don't care what you ride, as long as you ride. However, despite that, we do have an appreciation for all motorcycles, regardless of their style or their purpose. While there exist many custom shops and boutique motorcycle companies out there, they usually don't lend themselves to the common rider or the working class motorcycle enthusiast when it comes to price point. And while classic bikes and the market for them is absolutely growing for classic bikes and vintage motorcycles, they can be expensive not just to buy but to also operate and maintain. But what if a company existed that can give you a classic or vintage-looking bike that was both unique and affordable? Well, search no more. One such company does exist. Janus Motorcycles of Goshen, Indiana. I've got Devin and Richard with me here in the V-Twin Cafe to tell us all about their bikes. Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to the Motorcycle Men Podcast. Joining me here in the V-Twin Cafe in the corner booth, I've got Devin and Richard from Janus Motorcycles. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hi there. Hey, how's it going? Excellent. Lovely. Things are great. How you guys been? All right? Good? Yeah? Doing great. Doing great. All right, good. So I'll tell you what, why don't you guys tell us a, a little bit about your motorcycle selves and what you do? Yeah, um... Motorcycle self. Well, I've, I've always enjoyed uh, the lightweight, smaller displacement bikes. Um, and that's really what kind of has led us into uh, where we are now with Janus. Okay. Um, and, you know, as far as Janus goes, I manage the uh, quality control, some design, product development, and production. Okay. Good. Yeah. And on my end, this is Richard. Uh, I. Uh, I got into motorcycles. I think both of us got into motorcycles kind of later in life than some people do. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, we weren't kids on dirt bikes. Um, we weren't, uh, our, uh, neither of our parents were motorcyclists. Not at all. <laughs> and, <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but we, uh, I fell in love with um, vintage mopeds. That was our, really? that was our gateway. Vintage um, mopeds. That's your gateway drug, right? Yep. That oh, was yes. the gateway. So it was like, uh, you know, 1970s Gorelli mopeds and Pook uh, and oh, Motobacane wow. and all these, all these. Wow. That that was, that was the uh, that was what got me interested. And that was when I I moved out to Indiana um, to go to school, and met Devin because my I, I wasn't I was still learning the how to take care of my little moped and they two little two strokes from the 70s need a lot of attention. So Devin ran a had been running a, a vintage moped repair shop for about 10 years by the wow. time i met him 
<laughs> and uh, he did repair work, restorations, um, and together in the summers after we met, we started just kind of uh, going wild with actually customizing vintage mopeds. Um, and Devin was able to get some, I don't, know, I don't know if you'd call them like celebrity, but high high profile customers in Chicago um, and on the West Coast. Right. And kind of, it was, it was, a, it was a really, really a fun community to be part of. And that concept of a small, lightweight um, bike that had a community around it that you could work on yourself that was about a, uh, a way, a community and, and, and like a, a vibrant kind of life was really what interested us in it. And so when we, um, when we set out to do Janus, it was kind of based on that, heavily based on that, I guess I'll say. Now, when when was this? What what, what year was this that you were doing that? It was uh, 2003 is when I started my moped business at the time. Wow. Uh, I was into mopeds prior to that. Yeah, and that's strictly the vintage pedal-type mopeds is all I did. And so when we say mopeds, we want to make it real clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, now, there, so there was, motor, a, there was a real call, there was a call for that back then? I mean, it's... Oh, uh, for, for yeah. really no kidding yes and there's and there's a growing community called the moped army and there's chapters all over the country and we were no kidding we were one of the chapters and so <laughs> one of the things that we would do at my shop was you know we would refurbish the bikes it was the clubhouse for the group um then we would start souping up the bikes and we were taking motors that had one one and a half horsepower and then some of our builds ended up having 14 horsepower and going over 70 miles per hour. Yeah. So <laughs> what? Yeah. So we became like these mad tuners. I mean, we were making, you know, uh, water cooled heads and our own expansion chambers, uh, putting huge carburetors and multi-stage ignitions on these little single speed, mostly single speed centrifugal clutch vintage moped motors. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's a, That's impressive. I have never owned a moped in my life. So <laughs> oh, just, out. this is just fascinating <laughs> to me, actually. Wow. You've been missing out. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, yeah. So that, that the mopeds were, were a, were a, interested in the concept of what if you could make something that, that was, that had the, the fun aspects of a moped, but was more practical, not quite as ridiculous maybe. And that could be, um, the, we wouldn't have to work on other people's designs. We could, start from scratch and do it the way we wanted to do it. Uh, okay. Learn from all the things seen go wrong. <laughs> yeah. And, and most of the custom builds Rich and I were doing were, I mean, we were essentially taking these little 25 mile per hour bikes and turning them into tiny motorcycles. And we, that's kind of the, the, you know, the foundation for Janus as well. We realized that a lot of people just want a really lightweight, fun bike that they can just rip around the city in and not worry about, you know, how heavy it is or falling over or, you know, mm-hmm. um, Move, you know, not being able to use all of its capability. Right, right. Yeah. So what? Well, while we're at it, why don't you tell us about uh, Janus motorcycles and you know your philosophy behind this bike? <laughs> well, um, when we got started, uh, we we started off. A lot of people think they they look at our bikes and they say, "Oh, what did you base the design on? What what historic bike is this based on?" And um, that's sort of to miss the point. I mean, it's, it is not a recreation of anything. And, and, and we almost sort of bridle at the, at the 
the term retro because yes, they they are they are old looking, but but we what we're trying to do is make something that is that takes advantage of all the good things that motorcycles are good at. Which one of the things motorcycles are really good at, and they have to be good at, is looking really good. Yeah, They've got to look great, and that's perhaps in some ways more important, um, even on some of the high performance bikes than the than the the function um certainly on custom in the custom scene sure so what we were setting out to do was to kind of basically compare that like the idea of a bike that looks good that takes advantage of all the great things in the history of motorcycling but pair it with um modern practicality and our what we bring to it which was the lightweight low you know small displacement ease of Kind of like approachability, let's say. Okay. Um, and that that kind of triumvirate kind of created the the idea for the Janus. But when we got started, you know, we the first model we made, uh, actually the first bike that Devin and I built from scratch was a moped, and it was a cafe style bike, kind of ba- looked like a. Well, 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 stop! Hold it! Hold it! Hold up! A cafe <laughs> racer style moped. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> if you're familiar with, uh, <laughs> I, I, that's. Do you have a picture of that somewhere? Oh, yes, absolutely. we do. We can send that to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, just look up, just just Google uh, uh, Janus Paragon, and you'll okay. see what it looks like. Wow. It's one of our most. It's one of the designs I think we're both most proud of. But basically, what it's looking at is it's it was based on the 50 cc GP bike class. So in really? the 60s, 70s, and 80s, um, and maybe even earlier, all the you know, well, not all, but most of the formula, the uh, Grand Prix race racers started off as they still do on small displacement bikes and they would work their way up to the thousand CC bikes. Um, but they'd start off on one twenty fives or even fifties. And, and, and by the eighties, it was a specialist sport. These were small yeah. guys. They were little jockeys, you know, right? and they would, but they were maybe 16 speed. What? 50 CC capable of over a hundred miles an hour. Oh, that's insane. <laughs> and they're, they're basically completely pared down to nothing. The tires are like two inches wide. They're oh, tiny. Wow, that's pizza that cutters. The, yep. Yeah. And so that was the the inspiration for the Paragon and uh, that idea. We, we were thinking, you know, what well, everybody wants a cafe racer. This is the you know that was two thousand two thousand eight two thousand nine. We started mm-hmm. that, and you know, logically we would have made a cafe racer. Right. But when we started Janus, there was just I guess we just got distracted and I am my, my kind of uh, passion is for uh, the, the, at the turn of the century and then into the 1920s and thirties, there was a, yeah. they were still figuring out cars and motorcycles and they didn't really know what they would look like. And what you it ended up with was this really uh, magical kind of um, conglomeration of form and function sure. that, that now it's so like um, they figured it out so well that you don't get the form and the function as much anymore. I feel like, especially with plastic, um, you know, plastic really, <laughs> really <laughs> yeah. um, but like a Bruff Superior or a Zenith or an early Harley or Indian, um, yeah. they're just amazing. And you can see everything. Yeah. It's just this kind of magic. They really are magical. Um, they're, yeah. they're, they have a, they have a spirit, um, which is pretty amazing. And so, the first bike we built was actually more of a of a of a kind of way of trying to channel that pairing of form and function. So it ended up being a hardtail kind of 
we called the Halcyon, which is still our, we still make. And lo and behold, that's what people are interested in. They didn't, we, we now sell uh, three models, the Halcyon, the Griffin, and the Phoenix. The Phoenix is the cafe racer. Um, the Griffin is a scrambler. And the Halcyon is our, our, our hardtail cruiser. And the, the how we sell Halcyon or Griffins and Phoenixes, but nowhere near in the volume that we sell the, the Halcyon. So I, I feel like the Halcyon in many ways is, is well, it's, it's, I don't have a feeling. It, it, we know that is what the backbone of the company is built on. And if we hadn't come out with the Halcyon, I don't think it would have succeeded. Do you think um, the Halcyon defines Janus? Absolutely. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's funny because the next two questions I was going to ask you go back to that your designs aren't predicated on anything else about the uh, the vintage appearance. And <laughs> how long did it take to develop that? Well, it wasn't. It was pretty easy because bikes kind of want to look like that if you, if you leave it to themselves. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you don't have a lot of plastic and, yeah. uh, and all this other stuff. So. We, we basically, we wanted to use a frame that was tried and true, mm-hmm. um, we, we, but we also one that would be amenable to kind of, you know, we're, we're a, in, in the English sense, a boutique manufacturer, meaning that we, we use someone else's engine. Um, we use, um, someone, you know, we, we, we buy in some of the components. We don't, we are not, we don't make everything under our own roof. Right. Um, okay. So. Uh, we chose the uh, a f- frame, famous frame, um, Norton Featherbed frame, developed by Rex McCandless in the, um, well, for for racing on the Isle of Man with Norton, and it was kind of like the first full full suspension frame. And then of course we pulled this front suspension off, the rear suspension <laughs> off, um, and but uh, that was a real that was the backbone of the bike. Um, but it, it wasn't because necessarily we wanted to have a Norton Manx. It was because we wanted to have a, a frame that was just kind of like, it would fit a nice engine in it. It was easy to access from the side. It's just a double cradle. You know, it's, yeah. it's just real simple. Yeah. And then, um, one of the reasons that I don't know if it was a valid one that we decided to go with the house down was, Oh, well, we don't have to worry about a rear suspension. Yeah. Let's just make this simple and straightforward and kind of like, it was kind of an ideal, an idealist's idea. Cause you know, cause we were like, Oh, let's just make it like really really um extreme it's a it's a it's a it's a very real thing <laughs> it's not so like, you, there's no, there's you intentionally so you intentionally said let's not put rear suspension on this that was yep. that was from the very beginning from the very beginning yes wow now but, we also we had in mind that phoenix which was going to be the cafe racer yeah. that one we always thought was going to have full suspension um but it took us a while to bring that out. So we basically what we did was we introduced because we're you know we're two stroke. We, our background is in small displacement two strokes. The first Janus motorcycle was a 50 cc two stroke. The first it, production bike of ours. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And wow. we 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 ended up finding we were able to get by the Derby Senda engine. So Derby is a, a Spanish brand that's famous from oh. the 50 cc grand prize days and from mopeds mm-hmm. <laughs> but they have a a six-speed water-cooled case inducted two-stroke that's wow. an incredible engine the, our bikes our 50 cc bikes did 55 miles an hour stock on 50 cc <laughs> yeah that's amazing that wow yeah yeah but why would you want to go that fast on that kind of a bike though i i, I just wouldn't you know <laughs> Well, it's wouldn't. a lot of fun. I, I can't imagine. Yeah, 
can imagine. Did you draw any of your designs from any like historical data? Say, hey, this looks good. Or did you use any of those as a as a footprint to start with? Well, I think I, what I just said about the frame, the Norton featherbed frame, would yeah. be a good example of that. Like that's like, let's not. We're not at that point. You know, my background is in. I have a literature degree and an architecture degree. Devin's background is in uh, restoration and repair. So we're not um, structural engineers and we don't pretend to be. Um, and so developing a frame from scratch with on some shoulders here um, and not do, do this everything from the get go from, you know, from nowhere. All right. I'm gonna have to ask you to repeat that because your signal dropped out for like about three seconds. Oh, yeah. All right, go ahead. Well, where would you like me to start? Um, from where I asked you the question. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> great. Um, so uh, I think the, 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 our use of the feather bed, the Norton feather bed frame, would be a great kind of answer to that, where it's a, it's a frame that is, has been in production, not only with Norton, but you know the BMW and many of the Japanese brands copied okay. that frame as well. And they, they adapted it for their own use. And so we thought that would be a good point where, you know, we're not, our background is in, I said, my, my, I have a literature degree and an architecture degree. Devin, is, his background is in uh, restoration and, um, and repair of, and customization of bikes. So we oh. wanted to base our Perfect project. for motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, right. Perfect for the motorcycle <laughs> industry. <laughs> so um, we wanted to base the frame on something that we knew had uh, a track record of, of success, both on the track and in production. Okay. And, um, and that would be true. I think of, of other aspects of the bike too. You know, we, 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 we would, uh, you know, an aluminum tank would be a great reason, idea for a number of reasons. We found that we needed to do that on our own, but, uh, it was something that we could look back and, and, um, we did a lot of research. We yeah. do a lot of looking at history. Our, we got a lot of history books on our motorcycles and we also have a lot of uh, books on, modern design and, and you know uh um, things like that, that that we incorporate um but it is something that we are we're very proud of the fact that we we um look to the past as well yeah, yeah. you know i tell you what i'm really uh fascinated by and i really really appreciate the design of the tank on the halcyon <laughs> that is yeah i know a lot of our designs they uh they're dictated by our manufacturing uh capabilities you know starting out we don't we we had no investment or anything so it was a matter of a lot of poster cutting out poster board and making shapes and then transferring it to metal and just seeing what we could you know stamp out from the tooling we had at our fabrication shop right uh and so a lot of the designs were just made out on the floor the halcyon tank um which is probably one of the most uh, the most iconic tank we have um and the most beautiful one but that has a, a V on the top of it that was, that was determined by an Amish man who was looking over me and Richard struggling with how to keep the top from buckling every time we would go to form it or weld the filler neck bung in. Um, the heat was, was just buckling yeah, the top was, of the tank. Yeah, it was a mess. Wow. And uh, Amish man came out uh, at the fabrication shop. The owner of the fabrication shop, actually, is Amish. And um, he saw us struggling with it. And he said, why don't you guys just put a couple breaks in there? And so we did, and that, that strengthened up the top of the tank. Also gave it, you know, the uh, 
Oh, that's why it looks. Yeah, that's half why the it, reason it looks yeah. so good. But it was it was totally a practical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thing. And maybe we should uh, kind of fill you in a little bit on the way the bikes are made. <laughs> we, he yeah. just threw in an Amish Jumped guy. Jumped right to the Amish. Um, but uh, that what kind of what you were saying. One one way you could say it is our manufacturing capabilities. Another way of saying it is our manufacturing limitations. Yeah. Um, oh. We have what what allow we work out of a. Uh, we're like what, 3,000 square foot. We're a, it's an old dry cleaning shop right downtown Goshen. We're right behind the coffee shop and the theater and the record store. Um, it's, it's, it's an awesome little spot to be. But if we were to have all the processes and operations that take place to build a motorcycle, we'd have the whole block. It would be a factory building. Um, right. But what allows us to do this and what allowed us to get started with minimal funds um, was partnering with local craftsmen. And what oh, that's we, perfect, though. That's perfect. Yeah, it worked really well, and, it, and, it, and it's and it's 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 a really beautiful process that we that we can incorporate so many people um, into it. But we, Devin, through his repair shop and customization, found uh, this guy down in a town called Napanee, um, which is a real uh, Amish <laughs> area, and he found a guy who did powder coating who's Amish, mm-hmm. and then we, basically through Ernie, we we're introduced to an entire network of machine shops, powder coating shops, uh, laser cutting, uh, polishing, you name it, leather right. work, you name it, all the different things you need within about, I mean, out there, it's, it's really a, probably a 10 square mile uh, or maybe less uh, area. It's right there, close to home. And, and very close to home. So that is our, our fabrication shop that we found through him is an Amish shop and we've been partnered with them from the very beginning. Right. And we have a, We've made a, 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 we've developed an incredible relationship yes. with uh, yeah. Leroy and his, his brothers. Um, you know, they people don't know much about the Amish necessarily, but they are, um, they can, there are different levels that they can use technology and they run their whole fabrication shop off a generator because that, that's what they, how they limit their contact with technology, but they can do welding and all that stuff. So every motorcycle that is made by us, all the frames and tanks are welded off of a generator. <laughs> wow. You know, see, I, I appreciate the way you guys are doing this. You're small. Yeah, they, people like like to throw that boutique statement around, but you're a small yeah. shop. You're not mass producing motorcycles. You're you're producing right. what an indivi- individual wants. You're you're satisfying mm-hmm. that single customer. And I mm-hmm. wish uh, you know, back in the day, you know, I'm a Harley guy, but back in the day, if you wanted a Harley Davidson you had to wait for it because mm-hmm. they didn't have the capability to produce all these bikes. So mm-hmm. I kind of wish it was still the same way, you know, cause you mm-hmm. have that cause there's more attention to detail in what you're doing. Yep. And one you know, it could be a criticism of what we're doing or, a, or, or the really, the reason it's working, but we, we, we are not a, cri- not, rec- certainly not a criticism. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, we're quick to recognize and admit that it's a niche, you know, not, Everybody, I mean, you get, get take a look at our Facebook page and look at the comments. You know, it's, it's, they can be somewhat, you know, some people just absolutely hate the concept, the idea, they don't understand it. Um, and then you have people that just think it's fantastic. And, you know, it, it's, it is something that is controversial. Uh, and I, I think that's a great thing. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But we, we focus on making a, when we started, it was kind of like what we wanted. And we really didn't do any, 
market research or check what other people <laughs> felt like. It was like, this is what we're going to make, and yeah. we'll see if anybody wants to buy it. And um, I think Surprise. we went out to some extent. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's a niche, and it's um it's something that that we that uh we have a great fan base and and and, and a group of customers, and we're just able to we're really pleased to be able to maintain that small uh, scale and personal t- ability to keep a personal touch with people. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and part, of, part of that's not having a dealer network, you know, right. when people buy a bike, they got to talk to us, you know, and we really like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, why don't you tell us about some of the materials that you're using at Janus Motorcycles and where do you get some of your components from? Yeah, certainly. Well, when we, I mean, designing the bike, actually getting a drawing or 3D uh, rendering of it was one thing, but when it came to actually constructing it, Rich and I put a lot of thought into the materials. And being in the restoration business for many years, I had a whole list of pet peeves of the materials other manufacturers would use. You know, one of the first things I do when I go and look at a vintage motorcycle, especially a vintage moped where the frame or the gas tank is integrated into the frame, is you look at the interior of the fuel tank. Because dealing with a rusty tank, it's a nightmare. So, you know, we use all of our tanks on all three models. It's aluminum. So you never have to worry about the rust factor, or, you know, corrosion or anything. Right. Um, and they're just beautiful. You know, aluminum's wonderful to weld. It's well, uh, wonderful to form. And also one of the uh, abilities it gave us was on our, we offer what we call the uh, deluxe tank. And the sides of the tank is actually polished, raw polished aluminum. And wow. looks, you know, people think it's a sticker or it's chrome, but that's actually the polished aluminum. And also, it saves weight, so that's really good. Uh, we go with DOM uh, steel for our frame. Um, our rims are anodized aluminum. Once again, you don't have to worry about flaking chrome. Or yeah, chrome it, is a, yeah, a nightmare. Yeah, we've pretty much gotten rid of almost any any chrome we can get rid of on the bike. We do, and we replace it with polished stainless steel. Nice. Our, handle, our handlebars are polished stainless steel. Our exhaust systems are full stainless steel. Uh, they have aluminum heat shield on them. Uh, our spokes are stainless, stainless steel. And we have tons of stainless steel uh, features all across the bike, like our uh, axles and small pivot points. Uh, the wear pad on our rear foot brake is even stainless steel. So as you wear through the powder coat, you're just exposing stainless steel, which is not wow. good. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Yep. All you got to do is polish uh, <laughs> or clean up a set of chrome spokes and <laughs> you'll, you'll convert real quick. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, like the finishes, you know, the, the all the black components and the primary color of the bike, that's all powder coat, which powder coat is an industrial baked on finish. And we went with that because it, it, it's just durable. Oh and sure, it, it, fits, it fits the the era of the bike and you know the whole feel of the bike, um, and then of course all of our pinstriping is done by hand. Nice, um, that's yeah, a, yeah, done with a squirrel tail brush and one shot paint. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our pinstriper Kelly, she does a fantastic job. She's done over four hundred bikes for us now, and she does an amazing job. Wow. So, um, and then of course you know the the components were the other part of it, and the goal was always to try and keep the manufacturing as local as possible. Okay. Uh, if we couldn't keep it in our county, we try to keep it in the state, and then we try to always keep it in in, um, in America if we can. There's a couple things we outsource. Um, you know, we bring in the motor, uh, we bring in the wheels from Washington State. That's uh, from Pro Wheels. 
and then ICOM suspension from Australia. Uh, really? And then we have wow. some electrical components. Yeah, um, DOT lighting. Yeah, is DOT right. lighting, uh, stuff like that. Uh, in America, you just cannot have that. The, they don't make stuff scale to the size of our bike. It's all for you know seven-inch headlights yeah. and large components. So we had to outsource some of that stuff. But, of course, we go to the same, some of the same manufacturers as big OEMs. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the engine. Now, what the, what was your – so you wanted to keep it to a small size. Uh, what was the specific reason behind that? Well, I mean, you know, we it goes back to what we were saying earlier about the the um, the, the moped, the, the the idea of a lightweight pairing a, a power to weight ratio, a sure. lightweight, manageable, approachable bike. And one of the ways to do that, I mean, well, the best way to do that is to is to you know have the engine um, be part of that of that process. So the engine is a um, it needs to be light. And for us, because we are a direct-to-consumer um, operation, you know, we're the manufacturer and we're the, the uh, retailer, we wanted an engine that wouldn't need a, a specialty dealership network or a repair network, service okay. network. So we, we wanted a motor that was very, very, very reliable and very, very, very simple to work on. Didn't require specialty tools. You wouldn't need to go to any, any kind of specialty shop. So that was kind of the parameter for searching for an engine. We also, you know, part of maybe part and parcel with that was air cooling would be really nice. We, we had on the 50cc, it was a water-cooled engine. And it really just, it was very complicated. Um, uh, and it didn't necessarily just, a water-cooled engine in some ways isn't, isn't as pretty as, a, as an air-cooled <laughs> engine. And, <Yeah>. and so <laughs> we wanted something that looked good, looked uh, looked like an engine, you know? And, and um and then also the, a, a carburetor. That's what we our background is with carburetors. So we sure wanted a, a carbureted engine um, because that was what we were familiar with. So we we those that kind of those parameters kind of we started looking and really there's not a whole lot of options that are available today. Um, uh, so we were we were looking at uh, things from Spain. We worked with we had worked with the Derby engine before. They didn't have anything, and then we started looking at the 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 workhorse engine of Southeast Asia, which is the, the CG line, and the CG line is an overhead valve uh, version of the CB line. Okay, so wow. it's like a more simplified version of the CB. And so the the engine that we now use is the it's called the CB or CG sorry CG two fifty, and it was developed by Honda beginning in the early nineteen seventies. They were, um, they were, sorry, um, they were not have. They were having a lot of uh, a really hard time with their competitors in developing markets in third world countries. Okay. Because the CB requires regular oil changes, re- regular maintenance, and the bikes that are the way that they use bikes in third world countries is it's yeah. like a mule. It's a, it's a it's a there is no rest <laughs> for those bikes. They're not being used for let use until it dies, right? Yep. Yeah. And they just run exactly. them into the ground. And so they, uh, Honda sent two of their engineers out, and they actually went on and watched how they were being treated. And they were just like, you know, mind blown. Uh, these are we don't. Why would you do this to a bike? But they ended up on the even on their way back to um, to uh, Japan. They already were sketching out the idea for this simplified version of the CB125. And that would, that became the CG. And basically they use a, a single cam 
that runs straight off the crankshaft that, that operates both intake and exhaust. So there's one cam lobe. <laughs> wow. <laughs> really, really simple. Yeah. Um, almost completely unupgradable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's not much wow. you can do to it. Um, but then it uses real short push rods that go up to the to the valves, and it it it, it really is like the simplest production engine in the world today. Okay. Uh, so this is, it, a, this is a this is this is basically a derivative of a Honda engine. Exactly. Correct. So by, so by the by the 90s, Honda um, was working you know on new new designs and more t- more you know probably water cooling was was more of a something they were interested yeah. in. And they always I, I should mention that the CG line was all. By Honda was always designed to be manufactured in satellite uh, facilities. So Philippines, uh, Brazil, um, Pakistan, China um, were all places where they were going to be manufactured. So by the 1990s, the Chinese took the um, the 125 and they uh, increased the displacement to 250, or it's actually 229 cc's, and uh, added a balance shaft to the front to just kind of smooth out the single the thumper. Um, yeah, and, and that motor has been in production for twenty something years now. Um, there's a lot of different kinds you can get, so uh, not there's there's many different manufacturers, and the quality you you get what you pay for. I yeah, guess I'll of course, yeah, um, right. And these the one that that we we went through a couple of different versions of the engine, looking for one that we were happy with. The main concern we had was we needed it to pass EPA, mm-hmm. yeah. and that is not just it doesn't just need to burn clean, but it needs to hold up for the duration mileage. And at the end of the duration mileage, it still has to meet emissions. So it has to be high quality. Yeah. Um, so, th- so we, we ended up picking this, uh, the engine we have the CG 250, um, uh, 229 CC, uh, single cylinder overhead valve, um, uh, wet, uh, sump, uh, um, engine. It's carbureted as it uses a single, uh, 30 millimeter round slide carburetor made by Kian, which is an old, old, connection with Honda and uh, in 20 was it 2017 is when we took mm-hmm. it through EPA we got both EPA and California carb certification with an air-cooled nice carbureted bike <laughs> nice all right wow uh, we do have a catalyst in the exhaust um, the bike doesn't run any different than it did before the only difference is that they, it is cold-blooded um, that's the that's where you, that's your EPA uh, you know, <laughs> finger in your in your morning wake up. You know. But they, once they're warmed up, they're great. They um, you know, they're designed. The engine is uh, it's designed to be low maintenance. We have over 500 now out there. Mm-hmm. We have almost no issues. Um, and anything that you know, most of the issues we actually have, which is a byproduct of having a carburetor, are ethanol fuel. Yeah, that'll be bad. Wow. That 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 that, that, that kind of gives us a little bit of a uh, heartache, but <laughs> well, you can get non-ethanol fuel. You can. You can. Yeah. Not a, in every, not not all the time, and sometimes it's not not easy to find. <laughs> well, there's a there's a site you can should check it out. It's called PureGas.org, and they'll give you a listing of all the places yep. that have gasoline like that. You know, but uh, you know what's great about that engine though is I think it helps maintain that kind of classic vintage look. Because Absolutely. it is, it, you know, which I think is like key for that, you know. Absolutely. Now you already briefly mentioned. Why don't you let's go over it again? You have how many different models do you have at the moment? Yeah, we have three different models. Right. Uh, we have the Halcyon, the Griffin, and the Phoenix. All right. Now, 
Well, <laughs> which is the most popular? I think you already you already outlined that. That's, that's the Halcyon, right? That's the yeah. That's the Hardtail Halcyon. By far, it's the most popular. What's your favorite? Uh, the Halcyon. <laughs> uh, it, 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 it does. It changes. I mean, it really it's it's one of those things that every day I love coming to work because I fall in love with the machines every day when I come into the shop and um, it's I, I really don't know what is the the clear winner for me, but. I think because we build so many Halcyons, I'm quite in, in, in love with whatever bike is in front of me. It's almost always the Halcyon. Wow. How about you, Rich? Well, the Halcyon definitely is my favorite. <laughs> my, kind of my favorite. <laughs> and I've done a lot of riding on it. I think you had one of our friends, Tim Masterson, on the show yes. recently. Yeah. Yeah. Tim, I, he got me into long distance riding. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Two, yeah, right? <laughs> two years ago. And I, I, I did his Wyman ride. On did you really? Yeah. On a Halcyon? Oh, yeah. my God. That's awesome. So, yeah. So there were 10 riders or nine riders. And I was all on Gold Wings and Harleys and GSAs. Oh, my <laughs> and God. And so they would, rendezvous, they would rendezvous every night. And I would get in at like, you know, five hours after everybody else. Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I ended up making it. And the bike did great. You know, it just did fantastically. I was riding. I was doing... 60, 63 miles an hour, literally all day long for six days. I, I made it across in six yeah, days. Yeah, but they, how did they beat you? I guess they were going significantly faster than you then. They were going, they were going a lot faster and they were also, um, well, these are, they were all seasoned. Many yeah, of them were iron bike Okay. That was my first, since then I've done a couple more IBA rides. On, on the Halcyon? Yep. Have you done a Saddlesore 1000? I just did one. Uh, well, we did one last year, and then I, this September, I actually just got my paperwork last week. Um, I rode from here, Goshen, Indiana, northern Indiana, to New Orleans in 24 hours. Actually, we did it in 23. We uh, we improved our time by about an hour. Wow. See yeah. that, boys and girls? A Janus <laughs> motorcycle help you do your saddle sore. Was, yeah. What, what, what was your saddle sore at the end of that, though? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a sprung One, seat, though. It is a sprung seat, right? It's a sprung seat, and I should mention that I choose the Halcyon for long distance riding because it's—I think it's our most comfortable bike. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it, the, the ergonomics of the bike are are just so natural for your posture. Um, it, it doesn't have forward controls, but they're standard controls. So yeah. you're, you're it's right where your feet want to be, and um, it's hardtail, and that scares a lot of people. Um, and many people, we have discovery days uh, every month here where people come in and ride, and they all say, oh, you know, I really like how that Halcyon looks, but no way. I'm going to try the, this one. And we say, well, we're going to take you out on a spin. You'll switch out on the ride and see what you think. And by the time they're back, they're, oh, I'm going to get Halcyon. <laughs> because it's, it's a 265-pound bike. Really? That's it? It's That's closer it. to a bicycle than a Harley-Davidson in wow. many ways. <laughs> And, you know, you're going, it has 14 and a half horsepower. So it sounds like nothing. Um, but it's with that weight and the, the, has, our wheels aren't big fat wheels or big fat tires. They're appropriate for the scale of the bike. Yeah. The moving mass is low. You accelerate really quickly. And, um, when you hit a pothole, well, let's say you hit, you know, it's a rough road. It's, you're not being hit by a 600 pound bike in your back. Right. You are. You're just, it's like riding a bicycle. Um, so, you know, maybe you, you want to stand up if you hit a railroad track, but <laughs> from that, it really isn't bad. Um, and, and maybe somebody, somebody who's from Boston or something might quibble with that. But, <laughs> yeah. Terrible roads, but, yeah, that's but, true. Uh, but, you know yeah. what? One of the things that I'm really impressed with is that uh, on your site is how customizable your bikes are. 
I think that's just amazing. You can pretty much do just about anything to it. But give, give it. Tell us something about some of the uh, customizations that a customer could do to their bike, ordering it from the factory. Well, you, you know, we 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 when we first set out, we wanted to make this a production company. So we we had done the custom thing, and that that that's very much. I think we you know maybe custom production or I don't know whatever term you want to use for it. But we have. We don't do as we don't really. We try and keep away from any custom work, real custom work, like you know, fabricating something from scratch. But right, we, right. So we we try and do is offer many, many, many options. Well, and, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. And and one of the ways we arrive at those options is customer requests. So if we get enough people interested in, hey, would you do this? You know, a, a, a rack for the back of your house. You know, well, then we we start playing around with it, and then we'll come up come out with one. So at this point. We have eight different colors that are stock, mm-hmm. um, and then there's many, many options of pinstriping colors because there's just so many that that are available. Um, we we are constantly building new bikes with combinations we've never seen before because we can do single pinstripe or double pinstripe, or you can do wheel pinstripe, or you can do highlights on your logo, or you can do a custom number plate, or you can engrave your fuel cap. I mean, the many, many options. Yeah. Um, it's almost, uh, it's definitely too many to, for me to tell you all of them right here, but um, go check out our website. You can start uh, digging in. <laughs> yeah, I, well, believe me, I've been looking at it. <laughs> you know, I did that, uh, that that fake thing where you're just looking and you want to, like, build your bike out. Um, yeah. The only thing I see that you don't offer is a windshield. That's right. Or yeah. some, side of, some sort of a windscreen on the bike. Is that something well, you would consider doing? I've got, I've got about a, a half-finished one sitting behind my desk that I need to go back and revisit. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gotten that far yet, but yeah, it would be nice. They aren't, they aren't that fast, you know, and, and people aren't riding them on the highway. So yeah. it's not, it's not a, as pressing, but yeah, it's a great, I think it would be a great option. And but when, actually, you're doing, when you're doing a saddle sore, for example, yeah, yeah you might want that. <laughs> I did actually, I just, uh, for the saddle sore I did in September, we actually did install um, windscreens on the two halcyons we took. Oh, okay. Uh, and it was nice. The only thing is you really have to nail the windscreen. And if it comes in the wrong spot, you get a lot of turbulence. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> now, I like that you uh, you have the rack for the back, but you call it a book rack. Is it really yeah. a book rack? You- <laughs> <laughs> is anybody really riding around with books on the back of their halcyon? Well, that actually comes over from the moped days because back when people were riding mopeds in the seventies, they had to actually have book racks and yeah. advertise them with a stack of books for the college kids on them. So. Yeah. <laughs> beer rack, oh yeah. yeah. uh, whatever, yeah. I mean, and, and I see that you're adding, and this kind of cracked me up a little bit. Your fishtail exhaust add-on. Yeah, you that's, that? that's one of our most popular sellers right now. Uh, is that is this what I'm thinking of? Like the like you see a lot of these customized Harleys with the long fishtail pipes on the back is something. No, no. no. <laughs> yeah, but the original fishtail uh, was developed in England for for the um, um, Brooklyn uh, Speedway because they were they wanted to lower the sound because okay. it was in, a, in it was in London okay. and um, they they called them Brooklyn's cans um, and they're these gorgeous. But basically, they took an exhaust and they just flattened it. That was their idea of sound attenuation, was to okay. narrow the, and it works to some extent, but it's gorgeous. And so we have a, a an op, you should t- t- take a look at the site. I mean, we have some pictures of them up there. They're awesome and they sound amazing. You know, in the deceleration, you get this wonderful burble, um, 
and they do quiet the bike down a, a little bit. Um, but it's a good look. And on the house sand, I, once we started offering those, I'm like, I don't want to see a house sand without one on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, when somebody orders a Janus, how long does it take until they get their bike? Yeah, great question. It, it's uh, right now, um, you know, well, it started when we first started. It could have been over a year. Um, okay. right now, and for the last year or so, we average about four to six weeks. Um, oh, and that's, that's not bad. That's about where we want it to be. We don't really want it to be shorter than that. Um, part of, well, on our end, we need time to make sure that the parts are moving in a in an organized manner. We have sure. time to stripe your bike and get the fuel cap engraved. But on the customer end too, it's it, people really are starting to enjoy the whole process because we we don't just say, "Hey, your bike's ready." We send from the minute that you start the process. There's a picture of your engine, a picture of your frame. And then there's all p- photographs of the whole process of how the bike is coming together. Wow. Um, so that we actually give everybody, it's like a sonogram. It's a little photo album of, here's your bike being born. <laughs> and, um, you know, that four weeks goes by really quick. And um, some people choose to pick up the bike in person, which we always appreciate. We love when people come here. Yeah. And then some of the bikes we deliver, um, we're starting to do more of our own deliveries now. Our, um, we used to do a lot of uh shipping the bike um, but we like to have the control over that and get to meet the people and be the person that says you know here's the starter switch and you know, right. all that so. so when somebody orders it and how does it how is it delivered though to them really yeah so if you when you order the bike you can choose to have it uh, delivered or pick it up and if you choose to have it delivered um, there's one of two things can happen if you're really remote um and well, what we're trying to do now is to gang up all the deliveries in, in, um, we're getting into logistics at this point, I guess I should say, um, <laughs> we're organizing the, the, so that we can ship out, um, the bikes ourselves. And what we have is a, a big old white van with a big old trailer and we will just haul down the road and, and it'll probably be either John or Mitch or Woody that's going to meet you. They're great people. They, um, they really are a, a representation of us as a company and they, Roll the bike off the back. There's no pre-assembly required. There's gas. Usually they come with up to a quarter tank of gas. Um, and they'll walk you through it, um, tell you everything you need to know, and then um, you're good to go. Um, we've already oh. sent you your paperwork by that point, um, and uh, you're, you can register the bike in all 50 states. Um, we've, got, we've, we've got everybody. We're missing two states now. Uh, we've, we don't have uh, North Dakota and or Montana and West Virginia. Yeah. But, but we, you've shipped to Hawaii. We've shipped. To, uh, we have two bikes in Hawaii, multiple bikes in Alaska, and just yesterday we sold a bike to Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're even wow. getting territory. <laughs> have you ever had anybody buy a bike and come to your factory and just drive it home? Did I lose you there? Sorry, you're you're just breaking up there. Okay. Have you ever had anybody yeah, purchase one of the bikes and then come pick it up and ride it home? Yes. Um, we have that happen increase a, a lot more now. Um, we've had people ride their bike back to um, Kansas, Virginia. Uh, did Tim Hollinger ride his bike from home? I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, we have people ride them all over the place. Um, uh, the longest was probably um, a guy who rode his back to Arizona um, from here. And that was, a, really? that was kind of amazing. Wow. <laughs> what about in and Irby? It's a new bike, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. But it is. <laughs> yeah. What about international sales? 
Well, when we first started off with the 50cc, we sold a couple of bikes overseas. We have a Halcyon. One Halcyon is on the Isle of Man. We have a Halcyon 50 in Moscow, one in Austria, uh, South America maybe? And that's, I think, one in Holland. One in Holland. Yeah. Um, and that's about it. We've never sold a 250 overseas. Um, and that's maybe to do with – I don't know why that is actually. Yeah. We don't even have any requests. Yeah, we, we barely have any requests. Um, wow. They want them, but they don't. There's a lot, a lot of interest in Canada. Um, we're working on trying to get that because we're, you know, in northern Indiana, we're only like three and a half hours from Canada. Right. So. Yeah. Well, you know what? The the podcast is global. We have listeners all over the world. So who knows? This might yeah, help well, people. The, the main um, thing, you know, the, the, the limitation that, that that we've run into is just homologation. So sure. you know, Europe, they have a they have all their own rules, Euro five and Euro four, um, and um, we're working on it. That's definitely a goal of ours because because the tiered licensing system that most other countries have is uh, would really be appealing. People want to be able to have a 250 that, that they Well, have. this would certainly fit right into that. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, if someone purchases a Janus, what sort of long-term support system can they expect for their bike if they need some yeah. sort of service? Great question. Well, right away, you get a two-year fender-to-fender warranty. Um Unlimited miles. Unlimited miles. Wow. Yeah. And then since we're the manufacturer of almost all the parts, we keep everything that we manufacture and everything that we outsource and bring in, we keep all the extra parts under our roof. And so uh, service support is, you know, we can send out the parts the same day. We also have an extensive YouTube library uh, of videos yeah. that walk you through all the common maintenance on the bike. So if you just oh, really okay. yourselves. Uh, or do an oil change or 500 mile tune-up. We have a video for that. If we don't have a video for that, you let us know, and we will usually have a video up within two weeks. Um, we also have a full-time service technician that all he does is just answer calls and emails. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, of course, our most common one is most people don't re- realize those are the reserve option on their petcock, uh, and so they think really. Well, yep. <laughs> yeah, that's. Well, we don't have a fuel gauge. We don't have. A yeah, fuel gauge. no, I get it. Yeah, we left that off just for you know simplicity, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it, so we have we have that after aftercare. Uh, I think pretty well taken care of. Well, I think it should be mentioned too that our warranty um, it, it doesn't just we're not doing this to to say oh well you know fun fact you can fix it yourself because there's no way else you're going to get it fixed. But rather, um, yeah. our warranty supports you being able to do it. Oh, um, that's good. That's you know, awesome. We, yes. we do ask that the owner you know examine examine yourself and. Are you mechanically inclined <laughs> yeah. before you open up the engine? But <laughs> if you if you feel like you're up to it, we have a real as Devin mentioned a great YouTube library um, with, full of videos on on a lot of things, and it's a, such a simple engine that yeah. it really lends itself to people developing that connection, which is really hard to have on a more complex bike. Even yeah. a even a simple bike with four cylinders is there's so much more complexity. So that paired with the simplicity, um, you know, you can work on it yourself or we have this wonderful network of uh, vintage motorcycle shops all over the country. Yeah. You know, that, yeah, that's that true too. Yeah, on a Honda with the blindfold on, and so they are. There's no specialty tools required, and um, and this engine is so bulletproof that you know really the the kind of maintenance that we typically see mm-hmm. is usually fuel delivery related, um, carburation, um, maybe some electronic uh, things here and there, but um, the bad gas we were talking about with ethanol. Yeah. 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 Um, but, so, uh, well, let me ask you this. Could somebody, if they have a problem with their bike, could somebody actually bring it to a Honda dealership and say there's something wrong with the engine? 
Um, that's that. That's where <laughs> usually Harley dealerships and Honda dealerships are the places we tell people to steer clear. Of. Really? No kidding. That's funny. <laughs> um, they're usually pretty uninterested in working on anything other than what they're used to. Of course. Um, right. And so that's understandable. Um, uh, sometimes Indian dealerships are more open to it because they are starting to carry more Royal Enfields and they are typically more open to restoring old bikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but the bet your best bet is to go on Google maps or whatever and find, you know, the mom and pop motorcycle shop. Okay. Yeah. has good reviews. Yeah. Um, and those, those folks, they can work on a, a Honda, you know, no problem. Right. <laughs> So you, you you guys were actually on Jay's garage. How how was that? Yeah, oh, that was a phenomenal experience. Yeah, yeah, Jay's such an awesome guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went. He we got invited out in uh, uh December was when we yeah, were out there. December. Early December, and we filmed that with him. Um, it's been a dream of ours since we started the company to be on that show. I've sent in many <laughs> little packets labeled. I think he, you know I, I heard that if you put motorcycle related on it. He's more likely to open it, but um, uh, finally, <laughs> at, some, at some point, actually, one of his crew members is from Indiana and has been a longtime supporter, and so we got an invitation. We went out there, um, and and he spent the entire day. You know, you know, we had lunch with him. We got to tour his garage. We did a, probably a total probably a twenty minute interview, which got cut down to what you see on the video, and then he was gone for like over an hour riding the bike. And when he left, he just drove away. And so we we were in his garage, and we just got to walk around. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're like tempted to go up and you know, touch everything, but the, he has over twenty Bruff Superiors. Wow! No kidding. It's the largest collection of Bruff Superiors that I'm aware of. Um, and you know, each one of those is probably at least a half a million dollars. <laughs> wow! Um, they were. It was really cool. And so you could just walk around, and he started up his jet bike for us, and. <laughs> <laughs> Let us rev up a rough superior from 1927. Yeah, um, wow. And then he has uh, cars are just, uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a neat collection because they're all really unique things. Yeah. He's such a, uh, he's a really uh, humble person. He was just very, wow. you no, know, I don't have a huge collection and it's, it's big, but you know, he's not, he's not fake modest, but um, yeah. he, he likes things that have a cool story. What, what bike did you bring him? We took all three. We took uh, one of each bike um, and, one, the one we wanted him to ride, I think he wanted to get on the Phoenix. He's more of a cafe kind of guy, but we, oh, really? we said, well, we want you to be on the Halcyon because that's the one that everybody wants to get yeah. the review of. So he was he was gracious and took out a Halcyon and didn't complain too much about the uh, lack of suspension. <laughs> 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 Made some nice jokes. Oh, yes. <laughs> which, which one did he keep? Uh, yeah, he, he doesn't have one yet. Uh, oh. I think as I say, he's pretty selective. I, he, does, he doesn't have an arch either. I don't no. think he has a... He's pretty selective with his bikes. Oh, okay. Wow. All right. One of these days. Yeah, maybe. You never know. You gotta, do you guys have any new models planned? Well, right now, um, you know, we never know what happens in the future, but right now we're really just excited about we, – we're getting good at telling the story of the yeah. 250 um, and of, of, of getting people excited about what we're doing. And we've got a lot of improvements to make in terms of our production here. You know, mm-hmm. we want to streamline everything more. We want to, um, you know, just smooth everything out. So that's our focus right now is, um, making the, the Halcyon 250, the Phoenix 250, the Griffin 250, um, more accessible to more people around the country. All right. One question I didn't want, I didn't ask you, but I want to get that, that now, uh, what's your final drive chain or belt? It's a chain drive. 
This chain drive. Any ch plans to switch that over to a belt? No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to think about it for a half a second? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's, it's uh, you know, the chain is, is uh, pretty simple, and uh, it does require um, lubrication. Um, yeah. Which, and then if, it, if we were, you know, if it was a quieter bike, maybe the, the, the sound would be a problem, but... Um, yeah, no plans at the moment. <laughs> okay. Um, um, by the way, I found the fishtail exhaust add-on. Yeah, what do you think? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know what? Because I'm looking at it, it looks like somebody squished it by accident. So I don't know. <laughs> so how can people learn more about Janus motorcycles and get one of their very own? Well, the best thing to do is to go on the wonderful World Wide Web and uh, look up JaniceMotorcycles.com. Uh, we have our own uh, website with a lot of information on the bikes, on the pricing, on the upgrades. And the second best thing, or maybe even better, is to just give us a call. Um, our number is on our website, and we have uh, Jacqueline will answer the phone and talk to you and answer any questions you have. Sometimes I'll answer the phone. Yeah, well, do me a favor. Just repeat what you just said because you broke up right there. So I'm just going to repeat that whole thing. Uh, starting with the website? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So the best way to get a hold of us is to uh, look us up on the internet. Uh, JaniceMotorcycles.com is our website. Um, we have on the website lots and lots of information, lots of videos, lots of uh, reviews on the bikes, the pricing, the options, and the upgrades. And then another great way to learn more is to just give us a call. Our, our number is on our website. You can call us up and talk to Jacqueline or Hannah or Mitch or sometimes me, <laughs> and uh, we'll answer your questions. Um, and it's a it's a real it's a real friendly Midwestern bunch here, so uh, we love talking about the bikes and filling people in. Yeah. How far from Indianapolis are you guys? We're uh, about three hours north. Three hours north. Okay. The furthest I ever made it into Indianapolis was uh, uh, actually it was a little town just south of. Indianapolis. Where was what was it, what was it called? Um, I can't remember the name of the town now. There's a casino down there. Huh. Anyway, I don't know. It was a while well, ago. We are, we are in the north north of Indiana, so we're actually about 15 miles south of Michigan. We're oh, right on, okay. So you're way up there. Okay. Wow. So right wow. on, right off of 8090. Okay. Um, going across. All right. Uh, any last comments to riders wishing to get themselves involved into one of your motorcycles? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want to learn more about uh, about us or, or about the bikes, um, we really encourage you to give us a call. We we really do like talking to people. We are the manufacturer. We are the salespeople. We we do it all right here. So we love talking to you. Um, one thing we can do is um, uh, we we're going to a lot more shows this year. So we've been to most of the IMS progressive shows. Really. Um, and the, the, the end of for, for this spring, and we're planning on being at those in the fall and winter next year. Good. Um, also planning on, I think, I'm not speaking too early, but maybe Sturgis this year. We'll see. Um, and, and, and maybe some of the other large events. Um, we always love going to Mid-Ohio, which are Barber. I don't know if you're yeah. familiar with those. Yeah, yeah. Some of our favorite events of the year. Um, so those are great ways to learn about us. And then sometimes if you give us a call, if there's somebody in your area, that's we have a lot of owners already out there. One of the ways that people learn about the bikes is that we can put you in touch with an owner in your area and let you check out a bike in person if you don't want to make it the trek all the way up to here, up to India. Yeah. Excellent. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you very much for joining me here on the podcast and telling us all about 
Janus motorcycles, you know, especially the you know the, the Halcyon, is great. The Griffin and the Phoenix, excellent <laughs> bikes. Uh, gotta get me one of those uh, Halcyons. That's for damn sure. I think that's pretty cool. But uh, again, thank you very much for joining, me and uh, hope to see you in the future. Well, thank you, thank you so much for having us on the show. Thanks for joining Devin, Richard, and me here on the podcast where we learned all about Janus Motorcycles. You can learn more about Janus by going to JanusMotorcycles.com. I'll put the links in the show notes and, of course, on the Motorcycle Men website, which is MotorcycleMen.us. Hey, don't forget to check out our fellow podcasters, fellow YouTubers, bloggers, and vloggers out there whose links you will find on our links page. All of these media outlets and many more out there do great things to promote and encourage our sport and our passion so this has been the motorcycle men podcast i am ted your host thanks for listening and remember we say stupid crap so you don't have to enjoy your ride kids